coming to you live from Canada. Here comes your game-changing, life-transforming turning point moment. Ahem. Yes, this is the sign you've been looking for. You're listening to Engage City Church. Powered by hope, not hype. Online at engagechurch.ca. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, ends of the earth. Why don't you be seated today? If you've got the version Bible app, you can get that out. If you hit the more button in the bottom right hand corner, you'll discover a thing that says events and engage city church. And you'll find all of the notes for today right there version Bible app for you. We're in the midst of a series called Campfire Stories, and um, we've been looking at this one key verse, this key verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. And this, this word witness, there's a, there's a Greek word, uh, and it's, it's martus, and I'm, I butchered it, and that's a terrible way to say it, but it's the best way I know how. And the first translation, you know, the, there's always little definitions. And the first definition is a legal sense that you're going to give a firsthand account. Like sitting on a stand, like, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That's the first definition. The second definition is in a historical sense. And it's a spectator. It's as if you're watching the power of God unfold and then you tell the story about it. It's like if anyone went down to Roger's place and was in Ford Hall, because it was free or cheap, <laughs> or you watched it on TV, you could say, I was there when, and you watched history take place. And next year we will watch as Connor McDavid brings home the Stanley Cup to the City of Champions. In Jesus' name. You're watching, witnessing history. Now, here's the third definition, and this is where things get a little salty and the Bible starts getting real. If you're ready, Sam, ready. <laughs> the third definition is in an ethical sense, and it means to be a martyr. <sighs> a martyr, which is those who have, after his example, proved the strength and genuineness of their faith by undergoing a violent death. <sighs> I like the first part. I'm going to be a witness of the power of God. I'm going to be a first-hand account of what God's doing. I like that one. I like, you know what one I like better? Spectator. <laughs> In the stands while somebody else is down there, I'm going to watch history unfold. This third one gets a little, this gets a little real, in, you know, when it's like, you want me to put my life on the line for this Jesus Christ character? I don't. Jesus does. It's not because you're willing, like, it's not because you want to do it. It's just because it happens. It's like no one plans I'm going to be a martyr today. 
you just believe that the promises of God are true and they remain and that his word is true and it remains that, I, that you, you, you will not bend, you will not break and you will stand on the name of Jesus because you've put your hope in him and he's the anchor for your soul and he's been, he's been faithful all this time so why would you stop now in the face of adversity because every other trial, every other piece of adversity that you've ever faced, he's always been faithful so why would you stop now in this moment? That's, I think, I don't know what goes through a martyr's head. This is Luke chapter 9 in the Bible, because the Bible's good. Luke chapter 9, verse 7. When Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about everything Jesus was doing, he was puzzled. Some were saying that John the Baptist had been raised from the dead. Uh, Here's a little pause and an asterisk moment for you. Herod Antipas, for the enjoyment of his wife and daughter, beheaded John the Baptist. Like at a dinner party, they're like, hey, John the Baptist, let's just kill him. And they brought his head out on a platter as like entertainment for the dinner party. So Herod Antipas is a little screwed up up here, okay? So he says, he heard about everything Jesus was doing and he was puzzled. He's like, I took care of this problem. Some were saying that John the Baptist had been raised from the dead. Others thought Jesus was Elijah or some other prophet risen from the dead. I beheaded John. Herod said. He's like, I took care of this. So who is this man about whom I hear such stories? And he kept trying to see him. He kept trying to see Jesus. He's like, I I thought I took care of this problem. I eliminated the threat. There's no other one coming to take my kingdom away. Herod is known for protecting his turf and doing it violently. But he heard stories. He heard stories of hope. And he heard stories of life. He heard stories of healings and people coming back from the dead, which is why he believed it wasn't that much of a stretch that John the Baptist could have come back from the dead. But no, it wasn't John the Baptist who's come back from the dead. It was Jesus, someone who is greater, who is healing the sick and setting the captives free and helping people discover their life and their hope and their destiny. And Herod heard stories about this guy. Here's the amazing thing. You can kill John the Baptist and the stories keep coming. You can take out Jesus Christ and then he rose from the dead and then the stories keep coming. You can take out Stephen, a martyr killed by stones in the street and guess what? The stories keep coming. You can take out James, the brother of John, the other son of thunder. But guess what? The stories keep on coming because you cannot stop Jesus. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Why? Because Jesus already won. The victory's already been won. You're on the winning team already. You cannot stop the stories. The question is, will my life be a story that other people hear about the goodness of God? That's the question for today. Will my story, will my life be a story that others hear and go, oh man, that's the goodness of God. And guess what? You can't stop Jesus because you can't keep a good man down. Because Jesus never leaves me. He never first makes me. I just keep walking. Even if I'm in the valley of the shadow of the death, I just keep walking because it's only the valley of the shadow of death. It is not death itself. And even if it is death itself, Jesus has been amazing to this point. So why would I swerve? Why would I swerve? 
Did you know that at this time on the earth right now today, there is more people that are being killed for the name of Jesus than at any other time in history? We think that it's over and it's done and it's just something for the book. No, no, no. There's people every day who believe this to the point that they're like, all right, yeah, this is, this is it. This is everything. Jesus is everything. And I will not waver. I will not stumble. We do not understand it in North America because we feel safe. I should say in Canada. I want to make a little asterisk moment just in a little aside. I want to make a comment on what's happening down in the south of us. Sometimes as Canadians, with we look at the racial tensions and we look at the violence that's happening. And we're like, oh, well, at least it's not happening here. Oh, no, it's just not happening here in that way. People still hate other people. But one of the hallmarks of Christianity, one of the things that Jesus is all about, Jesus is about justice. I don't want to get, you know, too political about, with, you know, I will. Um, and we're in Alberta. You, you may, I, I, don't, I don't care what you think about women's rights, but what you need to know is that Jesus gave voice to the voiceless meaning women. He put them in a place of prominence because he knew that there was a hope and a steadfastness and a faithfulness and there's a voice that needed to come out and only Jesus, the King of all kings, can elevate somebody who was thought of something no more than property. Only he could he elevate him to the place of a position where they could have an in, a, a position of influence. This, this book is full of incredible, powerful women and they were elevated by God and they were elevated by Jesus. Jesus is about justice. Let justice roll like a river, it says in Micah. He's not about hate. Because we'll get to it later. He says, anyone, I mean everyone, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's room in the kingdom for every single person. Regardless of whatever piece of information you want to provide, Jesus has a place for you. And so we do not stand for injustice. You know, we, we had the privilege of, of, of working with Karar on the Courage and Kindness Project, making sure that people had what they needed to live a dignified life. That's right in our backyard. You know, in the next few weeks, we're going to be help support a feeding program in Rwanda where they feed 1,000 kids for $1,000 a month. That's an injustice, and as a church, we have a responsibility to do something about it. I'll get back to the message. I wanted to start with Luke chapter 9 because I, need, I needed to let you know the end of the story before we rolled it back to the beginning. What you need to know is, is, is Jesus wins. Jesus is alive. He's resurrected from the grave. He's working in you, around you, and he wants to work through you. You don't need to be afraid because even though someone may silence their voice, they cannot silence your story. And Jesus is calling you to live a life Live an adventure, not just an Instagram post. He's calling you to live the story, the story of Jesus, where you walk with Jesus every day, every moment. It's you and it's Jesus. And we, we, he's calling us to live like people have never lived before, where we don't care about job titles. We don't care about promotions. What we care about is people reaching the kingdom of God. And then what we understand is 
when you walk with Jesus, he's going to take care of the other things. And all of a sudden, jobs and job promotions and, and bigger paychecks, and all those things start rolling in. But even if they don't, we're going to walk with Jesus because he's always faithful to provide everything we, we, what we need beyond what we could ever ask or imagine or dream. So we just stand on the promise and we say, I'm not going to just live a, a, a normal life. I'm going to live a life with Jesus. And I'm just going to walk with Jesus. And he's going to put me in the craziest of situations. And I'm not going to be afraid in those situations. Nobody can kill or stop this story. But it's not your story. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. My son Everett. He is inspired by whatever he sees, and then he has to go and he has to play it. Do you remember that feeling? He's five years old. So if he like if he's if he's watching a show about trains, then the show's going to be on for like well 14 hours straight. But he's going to run away and he's going to play because what's more important is not that he watches the story, but his his imagination has come alive. He, he needs to live the story. He needs to be a part of the story. He is Thomas the Tank Engine. He's going to ride those rails. You can, no, no weapon formed against him will prosper. He's going to ride those rails. He is a member of the Paw Patrol, and you don't tell him anything different. You just yelp for help. Whenever there's a problem, Everett's on the way. But he, he's inspired what he, by he want, what he sees, and he just wants to be a part of it. My parents' garage door, if you go to their house, still has all the tennis ball marks for when I decided that I was going to win the Stanley Cup. And I had to practice my shot. Like, there's a lot. Listen, shot not that good because there is a lot of tennis ball marks all over their garage door because I see it happening. And what do you got to do? You got to run outside during the Olympics, especially if it's like in some crazy time zone. So you're watching hockey at like 1 in the afternoon. You run outside and you play hockey. Because you see it and you want to live it. That's the incredible thing about this, des- this, this definition of being a witness. Is that you see history unfolding before you. And you can't help be motivated and say, man, i got to get in this game. I'm not just going to watch history unfold. I'm coming down because Jesus said he's called me to a rich and satisfying life. And he called me to greater things and greater things are yet to come. So I'm going to get up out of the stands, get up out of these seats, and I'm going to get down and play this game and watch firsthand the power of God. Not just move through somebody else, but through me. Because Jesus said, it's about me and it's about him and he wants to do this thing together. This is the process of God at work in your life. First, he works around you. Turn to somebody, say, around. Then, once you realize that God is working around you, you invite him inside of you, and God begins to work in you. Turn to somebody else and say, in you. Turn to that same person and say, do you want to go for lunch later? Congratulations, you might have just met your spouse. Someone's standing on the promises of God right now. I receive it. That's not a prophetic word, by the way. That's And he works in you, and he starts getting things all worked out. But most of us stop it in you. But there's one more phase to the plan. It's the third and final phase, empowered by the Holy Spirit, called through you. God just doesn't want to work around you. He doesn't just want to work in you. God wants to work through you. 
He wants to do something with your life, with you. Now, I wanted to uh, have a really awesome title for this message, but I, I don't have one. It's just called Top 5. And it's, it's, it's based on, you know those articles that you, you see on the internet that says, see how these top five celebrities look now. And it shows you like a picture from a show that they were on 10 years ago. And you click through and you realize that all these actors are on TV all the time and you know what they look like already, but they got you to click it anyways. And they're like, top 10 cars that you shouldn't buy ever. And you click through them and you're like, all right, well, 1961 piece of junk that doesn't run, that makes sense. And then you're like, the best way to cook a steak of all time in three easy steps. And you cl click on it. It's like, throw it on the grill. Take it out. Put some butter on it. Put it in the oven. Done. And you're like, well, not depending on the video you watch. And you're like, oh, that means nothing. So today I got a message for you called the top five reasons Jesus can't work through me. Okay, nobody's excited about that. Here's the top five reasons Jesus can't work through me. He can't do it. He won't. He, so, and someone in here is like, see, this is what I'm talking about. This is reality. Jesus can't use me. I just come to church on Sunday because I'm a good person. <laughs> you come to church on Sunday because you're a bad person and you're in need of it. <laughs> Top five reasons Jesus can't work through me. Number five, we think it's up to us. Number five, we think it's up to us. Starting from five, coming down to one. Number five, we think it's up to us. We think we got to make it happen. We think we got to do it. We think we've got to build a life and build a career and build a family and reach people. And we've all got to do it just on our own strength and our own ability. You're like, that's why Jesus gave me these stunningly good looks so that I could just go reach people and have charisma and talk to people. No, that's not why. Here's the incredible thing in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It says that you will receive power and you will become witnesses. Guess what? You don't receive witnesses until you receive power. And when we're talking, by the way, about witnesses, Hebrews later talks about this cloud of witnesses, which we're a part of on earth, and there's a heavenly cloud of witnesses, which means you're not just meant to be a witness, but you're a part of witnesses, which means you're a part of a in a group. The number one, the number number five reason God can't work through you is because you think it's all up to you, which means you think you should do it on your own. You think your gifts are enough. You think you're talented enough. You're strong enough. You've got enough stamina. You've got enough energy. And you think you already know what God wants to do. This is where most of us trip up right here because we get an idea. We get a passion. We pursue that passion with everything. We quit all of our jobs or the one job that you have. And you go and you do this thing that you're passionate about because you think if you're passionate about it, Jesus clearly wants me just to do only this at all times. And you go out and you do it on your own strength because you've got passion and your passion should carry you through. And what you find out is that you end up burnt out and disappointed and angry at God because you feel like God should have done more. But why would you feel like God should do more when you just thought you would go do whatever you wanted to do anyway? We end up disappointed because we thought our passion was enough. No, passion is never enough. Jesus is enough. Jesus is more than enough. You can't do it by yourself. And he didn't mean for you to be a lone ranger. He meant for you to be in community. He meant for you to walk with others and not be alone. Why are you stopping? Just kidding. He gets down. 
<laughs> oh, I'm kind of serious, though. Um, <laughs> number four, number four. Let's move on to number four. Number four. The number the number four reason why you Jesus cannot work through you is because you think you aren't blank enough. If you're taking notes, you should write this down. If you're not taking notes, you should probably start right now. Open up a new thing in notes on your phone. The number four reason you think God can't work through you, Jesus can't work with you, is because you think that you aren't blank enough. You aren't rich enough. You aren't talented enough. You aren't good looking enough. You can't sing enough. You can't dance well enough. And Lord knows that's true. I cannot dance. <laughs> Fill in whatever you want in the blank, but you think that you can't blank enough. You think that you aren't holy enough? You think that your behavior isn't on point, your life isn't online yet? And so you disqualify yourself because you think that, that there's all these things, all these reasons why you can't do it. But Jesus says, listen, I'm going to take care of those things. All I'm looking for is a willing heart. But the number four reason why Jesus can't work through you is because you just keep saying, we aren't blank enough. Maybe you think that you don't fit in. You don't think you should even be in this room. You think, you're, you think it's a miracle you're not burning up right now. I literally, ha okay, so I do weddings occasionally. Uh, and my favorite weddings to do are the ones that I don't know any of the people at all. Because they say the most amazing things, but they always say the exact same thing as if I've never heard it before. Every groomsman and every best man, right after he puts the flask back in his suit jacket, says, I can't believe I'm not even burning up in here. Like, there should be smoke coming off of my head. I'm in the church. And I'm like, hey, first time I heard that one, bud. And then I proceed to say, you know that Jesus doesn't care, right? And he's like, what? Oh, he, he doesn't care about what you think he cares about. He goes, what? Okay, and then he walks away. <laughs> it happens the exact same every, every way. And then, lo and behold, sometime later in the day, he comes back and he always asks me what exactly I meant about that. Because we think we're hardwired because the whole world, our whole life, everything is about whether or not you measure up. You go to school, I mean, these teachers are holding us down. It's just about whether you can pass the test. Are you good enough? Do you have the percentage our whole life is based on whether or not we are good enough by somebody else's standard. And so we, we transliterate that into Christianity and we go, Jesus, am I good enough? Jesus, am I good enough? Jesus, am I good enough? And Jesus looks right back at us and he simply says, no. And you will never be. You will never be good enough. You could never be. Whatever made you think that you'd be good enough that somebody should die for you? You won't be good enough. You cannot perform enough, especially by Jesus' standards. When you think about it, you know, the Pharisees, all, these are God, leaders of religious law. They, they were always talking about, like, you know, like adultery, like don't sleep with other people. And then Jesus throws a wrench into it, and he goes, yeah, if you even look with a woman and you think about it in that mind, you, you've, already, you've already done the sin. And they're like, um, Wow. Every man in the place is like, Jesus, help me. Yeah, that's the point. That we're in desperate need of Jesus, 
but Jesus is enough. So we think that we aren't blank enough, and Jesus says, okay, great, now we can work with you. Now we can work on something. When we're aware that we have deficiencies, when we're aware that we have flaws, but we are aware that Jesus is enough, when we are aware of our weakness, the Bible also says this little verse, this little truth where he, Paul drops, in, his, in my weakness, he is stronger. So Jesus actually takes those things that you hate most and he turns around them and he uses them for his good and for his purposes. Just as if to remind you, number one, your weaknesses are never as bad as you think they are. But number two, Jesus is still better. He's just working on your pride on the way. Using the worst part of you to do something incredible. Number three, the number three reason why we think that Jesus can't work through us is because we think we are better than blank. Oh, yeah, if you're a Christian, you're predisposed to thinking you're better than other people. Here's why. Thank you for the honk. Um, You know the truth. You know the creator of the universe. You know the king of kings. You know the Lord of lords who Jesus is not only enough, but he's more than enough. And you walk with him and you talk with him and he's leading you and he's guiding you. So one would think that maybe you would be predisposed to thinking, hey, I got some swagger. I know the guy who's in charge. But in reality, what is happening for most of us is the innermost (laughs) thoughts and things that we thought were hidden away are exposed because Jesus is at work in us and it becomes very evident to others and becomes evident to us when our prejudice is displayed. Which is the very reason I'm wearing this hat today because I hope that somebody is going, I can't believe he's preaching the word of God and wearing a hat. I hope you're offended because Jesus doesn't care. Jesus loves me anyways. You're holding on to a cultural definition of what it means to be good and what it means to be bad, and Jesus doesn't care. What he does care about is that I trust him with my whole heart, with everything that is within me, that I understand, as Numbers chapter 11, 23 says, that the arm of the Lord is not too short. I understand for all you old school people who love the old King James Version that there is a cattle on a thousand hills that have Jesus' name on them, which just means that Jesus owns everything because I don't know who needs a cattle on a thousand hills, but Jesus has them in case you need them. (laughs) We think we're better than blank. James chapter 2. Matt, if you could help me out with this. James chapter 2. For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention to the good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or you can sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motive? Oh, Jesus coming at me again with my evil motive. But here's the incredible thing. When Jesus is at work inside of me, guess what the Holy Spirit is working on? My evil motives, otherwise known as my character. So the very reason that you've disqualified yourself is the very thing that God is at work on right now. And can I tell you that if you're open and you're honest about it, other people can notice that you are not as jerky as usual. 
they can notice that you don't snap quite as quickly as you used to. I mean, you are still a snap job, but you do not snap as often or as frequently, and that's because God is teaching you patience, probably through a very frustrating situation. You're like, God is throwing something in my way to, 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 to punish me? No, he's disciplining you in love because you are not a patient person. And this is a long game, not a short game. We look at the short game all the time. We are obsessed with the here and now and right now and what comes next. And Jesus says, you got a lifetime ahead of you, and i got a lot of work for us to do. So let's work on these things right now so that you can have a lifetime of fruitfulness, which is a Christian way of saying a lifetime of being effective. The number two reason this is, oh, I, I need to share this verse. Hold on. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. The Apostle Paul always just puts it in a way that we can really understand. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Because of the privilege and the authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Just the Bible. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Do you know what this scripture is tied to? It's tied to all the spiritual gifts. Because our hardwired nature as humans is to take our gifts or the things that make us special, rub it in everybody else's face and go, look what Jesus gave me. And Jesus says, I gave everybody everything. So just put the gift back in your pocket and don't think more highly of yourselves than you ought. That's the New King James Version for you. Okay, number two reason God cannot work through you. As defined by you. Number two. If, you're, if this is good, say it's good. If you don't believe it's good, just say it's good anyways. Perfect. God's working in you. Number two. The reason why, the number two reason why you think God can't work through you is because we're good. I'm good. I'm good. My life's good. I'm good. Got a steady job. Wife, two kids. One and three quarters car. My prayer life's improving because I drive that three quarter car. But we don't drive that to church because we don't want anyone to know. We're good. We eat. We eat probably too well. North America, richest, you know, 10% of the world. So you're rich as well. I'm good. We're comfortable. We're complacent. We're settled. We're happy with our lives. And so we just say, you know what, Jesus? I like church. I especially like that song we just sang at the end. That was great. Really makes me feel good. Vibes. When Emily hits the note up high, I'm like, yes, Jesus. But I like to go and eat Swiss Chalet after church and not think about it again until next Sunday. I'm good. That's the number two reason why God can't do anything with us because we're so settled in the goodness of God. We think that we're living the rich and abundant life that we're cutting off all that God has intended for us because we're willing to settle for creature comfort. Hmm. I wish there was a Bible verse for that. Right, Revelations 3 verse 15. I know all the things you do that you are neither hot nor cold, and I wish that you were one or the other. 
But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and underlined miserable and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment so your eyes, uh, for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone. I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. I'm just going to leave that right there for a moment. That's the number two reason why God can't work through us is because we just feel comfortable. Not that I want to make you uncomfortable. I just want to help you understand that your comfort comes at the cost of somebody else. Much like all of my clothing that I get for a cheap price comes at the expense of another person, namely probably a child somewhere. So we begin to make better choices the more information that we have. We've come into a new set of information that, that helps us understand that our comfort is not actually helping anybody else receive Jesus. And when you find Jesus, you find peace and life and hope and love. And you find the comfort that you are now enjoying right now in what you think is a rich and abundant life. But you're really settling and satisfied with just like one small like free meal. That my comfort possibly comes at the expense of somebody else meet, meeting Jesus. My comfort comes at the expense of somebody else being healed. My comfort comes at the expense of somebody else encountering the truth about Jesus and encountering the hope that you've been holding on to all this time while you've been telling yourself that you've been comfortable, but really you've just been clinging to Jesus like a wakeboarder holds on to the handle and you're getting dragged underneath the water and you're just like, help me, Jesus! And he's like, hey, how about we do something together? Like, go reach people. You're like, you're like I'm good, I'm comfortable. How about you help somebody else hold on to the anchor for your soul that Hebrews 6 says Jesus is? That's the number two reason. That's only number two reason why God can't work through. Is anyone re ready for the number one reason that Jesus cannot work through us as defined by us? Are you ready? Matt, don't flash it yet. Don't, this is a build-up moment. Any thoughts? No, don't share them. These are your thoughts, remember. And I know that they're your thoughts because they look like my thoughts most times. Because if we're being really, 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 really real about things, most of us just like our lives and we just want to move on and just get through tomorrow and get, I mean, who cares about tomorrow? Let's get through today. And so it's hard to think about other people. But then I'm confronted by my humanity and then I come to this realization that Jesus has done all these incredible things in my life. Like I'm a walking, talking miracle for so many nondescript reasons, mainly because I'm just a terrible human being. 
and God is working in me, and I'm thankful for, thankful for that, and I'm thankful that I'm able to even have a spouse, because if you knew what went on in here, you're like, how is this guy with anybody ever at any time? I'm thankful I have friends. I'm thankful I get to hang out with you, well, hopefully more than once a week, but let's be honest, once, twice a month. Because it's miraculous. But here's the number one reason why God can't work through my life. And it's because I don't trust Jesus. Oh, you do? More than I do? I mean, he was pretty clear in Proverbs 3 verse 5. When the wisest king in the history of earth writes and pens these words, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Proverbs 3 verse 5. Listen, this, this is incredible truth. Matt, you want to throw that up there, Proverbs 3 verse 5. I hope I got it for you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Just leave that on there for a while. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Can I ask you a question? Thank you. When you find yourself in a difficult situation, what's the first thing that you ask yourself? I'll just share what I ask myself. How am I going to get out of this? Right? And if you're married, how are we going to get out of this? And if you have a bad marriage or an honest marriage, you're like, how did you get us into this? <laughs> oh, just me. All right. <laughs> I'm usually the one that she's like, how did you even get us here right now? I can tell you how. I did this. And the ironic thing is that the best way that I know how to get out of this is by asking this <laughs> how I should get out of the very thing that this led me into. Hey, self. What a mess. What do you think we should do? Good thing there's a Bible verse, and it says this. Good thing. It's a miracle. Jesus cares. I mean, he only wrote a book with instructions in it. Over 40 authors, thousands of pages, thousands of years, transcends history. Unbelievable. He only put a few notes on it. And we're just going to look at one. But what we realize is that all of our problems comes from this, not this. And yet we always come back to this for an answer. And then we utter the magic words when we come back to this. Well, all I can do now is pray. <laughs> The number one reason 
that we think God can't work through us is because we think we've got to have the plan. It ties back to number five. We think we've got to have a plan. And if we have to have a plan, then we have to finance it some, in some way. So that takes us to number four because we don't have enough money to do the plan that God wants us to do that we have to figure it out, which takes us to number three. But clearly I have to do it because I'm better than somebody else at doing it. And Jesus wouldn't ask me if I was better than that guy. Which leads us to number two, but I can't do it because I don't have enough things. And you know what? I'm good, which takes us all the way back around to number one. I don't actually trust Jesus for it to happen anyways. Oh, what? I've been coming to church for how many years and I still don't trust Jesus? I know, right? Me too. Because you're faced every day with the temporal, you're faced every day with what we believe to be real. We minimize the things that we cannot see, and we maximize the things that we can see because we think that we can control these things, but Jesus is control of all the things. And so instead of trusting the things that we can control, why don't we trust Jesus who spoke the very things that we think we can manipulate and control? I've lost my whole train of thought right there because it was so amazing. Why don't we trust Jesus who made it all anyways? Because then we wouldn't find ourselves at number four or number three or even at number two. And we probably wouldn't be at number five because all we're doing is not trusting our understanding because our understanding is flawed. The Bible says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our ways. His strategies are better. Listen, his game, his five-year plan for your life is better than your five-year plan for your life. We find ourselves disappointed when our five-year plan doesn't get accomplished because Jesus is over here saying, yeah, we weren't really in agreement on the five-year plan anyways, but I'm working around you because you aren't letting me work through you. And we're going to end up at the same point over here anyways, which leads us right back to number one. You're like, this is a vicious cycle. Yes, it is. And do you know how we move forward with this vicious cycle? Wake up. You can't see me now. That's fine. You wake up and you go, wow, I am not smart. I'm not kind. <laughs> I'm not special. You know, usually kind, usually smart. You, know. you wake up every day and you go, Jesus, I need you. Probably now more than ever. Because I'm not competent enough to make good decisions about my life. Mainly because I'm not working with all of the information. <laughs> I'm working with part of the information. And so today, for the next 30, no, 20, no, 15, no, for the next three minutes, I'm going to trust you with everything I have. And at the end of three minutes, I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to hope that I can make it to four. Here's how we invite Jesus to work in our lives. We trust him. Like, all that for that? Yes. He 
because we know the end result. We know that if we trust Jesus, the story will never die. We know that your life will matter. I mean, your life matters now. <laughs> but your legacy, your story, which remarkably looks a lot less like your story and a lot more like Jesus' story, starts to grow. And in your way, all these boating references today, in your way, will be all the result of Jesus at work in your life. So when you look back, you will be overwhelmed at the goodness of God. Working inside in the deepest parts of who you are as a human being, transforming your character and your soul. And then you'll be overwhelmed because not only is your person getting better, but Jesus is using your person and your story to help somebody out. And you're like, but that other person is just a normal person too. Yeah, guess what? Normal people need Jesus too. Our North American default is, well, I need to do something of value with my life, so I'm going to go help the hurting. I'm going to go help, you know, those who are hungry, those who are, who, are, who, are, who are broke, who can't help themselves. And Jesus goes, yeah, that's pretty much everybody all the time. Because if we're being honest, there's no such thing as a normal person. There's just people in need of Jesus. And Jesus wants to work through you to see their lives transformed. And he does that by working on you from the inside out. You've been listening to The Engage Life, powered by Engage City Church. If you like what you heard, check out engagechurch.ca.